actually share a birthday with my youth pastor. And so I reached out to him, and I just wanted to let him know how I was thankful for him, wish him a happy birthday, and uh, just share how thankful I was for him. And he was sharing some of the things he's thankful for. And uh, I was just taking notes of our conversation because I just love soaking in whenever I can get time with him. And so some of what I'm going to talk about today stems from that uh, time with him. But I also want to just share how thankful I am uh, for Pastor Craig and Crossroads Church and this series that we've been in. Um, it's just, it's been so powerful. And if you haven't been with us, you can catch up on the website. But we've been in a series the last few weeks talking about faith and how we can just see past our own circumstances and how to see more than what we have in our own two hands. And what would happen if we saw beyond our own generosity? And it was Pastor Craig talking about this miracle offering. What, what would happen if we saw past our own generosity? What could God do? And uh, this morning, the video we just watched is kind of like a teaser into what we're going to talk about today. But my prayer is that God would give us eyes wide open to see that we have God-given influence and to trust that God's heartbeat is to use you and to use me to make a difference. And, and to know that it, it's important that we make the most of our moments and not miss out on what's most important. And so today we're going to look in the Bible at uh, the book of Daniel in chapter 5. And to give you a little context first into that story, Daniel, uh, a guy you might have heard of before, he's about 90 years old at this time. So he's a little older in life, you might say. And uh, the king that he's currently serving under, his name is Belshazzar. You might have heard of a guy by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. This is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. Nebuchadnezzar was the dude that brought Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to Babylon. Well, now that Daniel's older, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, is now king. And historians say that when he became king, he was in his 20s. And Babylon, during this time, was like L.A. It was the most pop culture relevant, hot big city in that time. And so, as you can imagine with a 20-year-old who's basically king of L.A., he was known to throw massive parties all the time. And, I mean, he would invite all the celebrities. They would show up. The paparazzi would be there. He would walk arm in arm with his dozens of wives strolling into his parties. And the Bible records that at one of his parties, he got a little cocky. And, and he told his servants to go to the temple and to bring all the holy items to the party. Basically saying, I'm kind of done with my red solo cup. I want to be sipping out of the holy grail. You know what I'm talking about? And so he tells his servants to do these things. And the Bible records that as they do this, a giant hand appears out of nowhere and begins writing on the wall. And at this point, Belshazzar looks down at his drink and looks at his friends and yells, who spiked my drink? Because I'm seeing some stuff and it's freaking me out and I need to know who did it. But as he's looking around, he sees that everyone is staring at what's going on. I'm not just seeing these things, it's, it's real. And so his face turns pale, his heart's beating, he's freaking out and he's like, hey, somebody go get somebody. Uh, we need this translated. I need to know what this says because it's, it's freaking me out. And so his servants Go and find some wise men and enchanters to interpret this message. What is this saying? And one after another, they're not able to figure it out. They can't do it. And so the queen, she's sitting back, and as like women do, she's allowing the men to fail before she steps in, <laughs> right? And so eventually the queen steps in, and she says, hey, you've tried and failed. It's not working, but I know of a guy. I heard that he interprets dreams and stuff like this, and I think he can help. His name is Daniel. You should go get him. 
And so the king sends for Daniel, and that's where we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 5, verse 13. It says, So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck. And you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And now how Daniel responds is probably something the king wasn't expecting. Daniel looks Belshazzar in the eyes and he says, Look, I don't want your things. I don't need it or want your position. It's not for me. Your grandfather came to me with the same problem, and I warned him, do not defile God. Turn from your evil ways. And your grandfather did. He turned. But you, Belshazzar, are different. And it continues to to say, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Men, men, tekel, Paris. And here's what these words mean. Men, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And if you read on in this story, you actually discover that Babylon, this indestructible and powerful city, and Belshazzar, this indestructible and powerful king, are actually invaded and slaughtered and overtaken by the Medes and the Persians that night. And so what Daniel is doing, he's actually speaking of things to come. He's prophesying into the future. And he's sharing three warnings with these people that I believe are for us as well. Three warnings that we need to take heart of. I believe we're a part of that future Daniel is speaking to. Warnings that the king didn't heed to, and it led to his destruction. So my prayer is that we would pay attention to these three warnings this morning. And the first one is this. Men, which translated means numbered. And here's the warning for us today, is we need to recognize... And we often forget that our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. Fun fact for us is uh, when I was talking with my mentor, he actually shared with me there's a reason that these wise men and enchanters couldn't understand the language that was written on the wall. There was a reason for it. It's because it wasn't written in Hebrew. It wasn't written in Greek. In fact, it was actually written in a language that wasn't known to mankind. So it's like God was up in heaven. Yo, Michael, you got to check this out. I just created this giant floating hand and it's writing a bunch of made up junk on the wall. They are totally going to (laughs) freak. But because Daniel heard from God, because he set himself apart and didn't try to look like culture, he was able to interpret the words that only God knew. And so we need to understand that our days are numbered. 
And here's the thing, we often lose sight of this. You know, we're in this series, God, give us eyes wide open. But it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that our days are numbered. We live day in and day out, and we go about our business, and time can fly by, and we have no idea what happened to the day. And we forget that we aren't going to live forever. We need to realize that there will be a day that you and I die. And we don't like to think about this. And lately in my life, I've I've tried to process this a little bit more. But we don't like to think about this because it's uncomfortable and, you know, it, it's depressing and it's like, come on, I don't want to think about that. But this morning, I just want us to take some time to think for a moment, you know, what would you do if you knew you only had 30 days left to live? For whatever reason, if you knew you only had 30 days left to live, I guarantee you there would be some things that you started doing and there would be some things that you stopped doing, right? Right? I mean, for me, there would be some priorities that changed. I guarantee you some of your priorities would change, right? But but for whatever reason, we don't start thinking like this until later on in life. But what would happen if we started thinking and, and living like this now? Because the thing is, unfortunately for most of us, we don't get a warning. And I want to invite Kaylee onto the stage. Kaylee is an incredible young lady. Uh, who's a part of our student ministry. And I want her to take some time this morning to share her story. Thank you, Kyle. Hello, good morning, I'm Kaylee. This is my best friend, Hannah. I love her very much, and I am very grateful for the friendship that we have. Last Thursday, I got a call that I never expected a call that completely would flip my world around. That Thursday morning, sorry, I'm so emotional, (laughs) Uh, started off like every Thursday. Hannah and I talked about our lives, what was going on, how we were going to figure things out, how senior year was going to end, and even what we were going to do after college or high school. We were walking to class, and I felt this overwhelming feeling that I needed to tell Hannah that I loved her. So I yelled, bye, Hanny, I love you so much. And her response every time was, bye, Kaylee, I love you, have a great day. I never knew that two hours later, that was my very last time I would say I love you to my best friend. That time... That call that I heard that I was talking about earlier was from my friend Megan telling me that Hannah was on her way after school into town and she lost control of her car and hit a pole and died on impact. My heart was broken and that's nothing I ever expected to hear from someone. I literally just talked to Hannah two hours before she died. I asked myself, why would God take my best friend from me? And I later figured out why. Why is a big question, and everyone asks it. Why would God take Hannah? We can't ask why bad things happen, because we will never know. We just have to trust that God is good, and something amazing will come out of it. Looking where I am now, I quickly realize that amazing things are already coming out of Hannah's life. I am now telling a story to all of you. She pulled together friends, family, and her church 
pulling them together, even ones that haven't talked and ones that have never talked in years. Showing them that life is precious, to always be happy, and to always go through life with a smile because it helps. Just from her giving her life in 2012, five people gave their lives at her funeral, and that's just counting the ones that raised their hands. At her funeral, everyone kept telling me how beautiful Hannah looked, and they were so right. Hannah's father spoke and said that God makes beautiful flowers and picks them whenever they are pretty and at their bloom. God brought Hannah home when she was full-bloomed and at her most beautiful. And this brings us all at peace. Hannah showed God's love on a daily basis by telling all of her friends and family how much she loved them. She even would take her time and write letters telling me and others not to worry because God had everything under control. I was blessed to know her, and I'm thankful and grateful for what we shared. It helps bring me peace knowing I will see her again and knowing she's happier than we are right now on earth. So I'm here standing, telling you all my best friend's story, to tell you to love others the way Christ loves us. And do not be afraid to tell others you love them and tell them that Jesus loves them. Please keep her family in prayers, because the days to come will be very hard. And I also want to thank Kyle, Cassie, Nick and Emily, and all my church family for being there for me and praying for me and coming to the funeral and holding my hand and telling me everything will be all right. Thank you. And so the warning for us today is to be careful with how we live our lives because we have no idea when it'll be over. Hannah had no idea that last Thursday, last Thursday would be her last day on earth. In Psalm 90, 12, it says, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. If you aren't living for God, tomorrow isn't the day to make that decision. Now hear me, church. I'm not just talking about making the decision to believe that Jesus died for your sins. If you aren't living for God now, don't wait to make that decision tomorrow. If you have one foot in the church and one foot in the world, if you're too busy trying to look like culture that when people see you, they don't see Christ, well, you know, we'll join Life Group maybe next month. Or I don't want to seem too pushy or weird at my new job, so I'll just I'll wait a few months before I really open up about my faith. I loved the video testimony of the man being baptized, and Pastor Craig and I were able to be there with him, and he shared some words with us. And he said that his wife so badly wanted to get back into church, but before she could, she passed away. And that's why he was getting baptized before he passed away. God, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and help us to spend them as we should. I want to open up and be a little vulnerable with you this morning to just hopefully get the point across that this message is so much for me as I hope it is for you. A few weeks ago, my family, we, we took a random, spontaneous, awesome date night together to the movies. 
And as we were leaving the theater, uh, we were approaching a young man, an employee sweeping up popcorn. And as we approached him, Paxton, uh, the cutest, sweetest, most energetic three-year-old you'll ever meet, he sees this guy, and with the biggest smile on his face, he runs up and yells as loud as he can, do you want to go to church with us? (laughs) And I know in that moment, God was smiling. I know it. And me being the proud, happy man of God, pastor, dad, head of household that I am, I smiled and I said to myself, gosh, dang it, that kid is cute. (laughs) And then I led my family to the parking lot. And as we drove away, I was filled with so much shame and regret because in that moment, I taught my son one that we don't prioritize sharing the gospel to the people around us. And two, I have no idea what the future holds for that young man. And if God wanted to use our family to intervene in his life before an accident like Hannah's took place, and he was going to use my son Paxton, but I flaked. And see, I'm not afraid to tell people about Jesus. That's not it. But in that moment, I was so fixed on what we had going on. I was so focused that I forgot to realize, I neglected to realize that I have God-given influence and responsibility. You see, if we want to see change, then we need to be changed. If we want to see change, then we need to be changed because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. The second warning to us this morning, tekel, which translated means weighed. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And here's the warning. Our lives are out of balance. Our lives are out of balance. You see, we all have 24 hours in a day. No more and no less. 24 hours. And so what do we do? We end up filling that time, right? Friends want from us. And so we spend some time with friends because that's important. I want to invest in those relationships. And then, well, we have FOMO, the, the fear of missing out. And so I need to be at that event because, you know, we have this social pressure to be a part of what's going on and work is demanding from us and we need to perform there. And that's super important. Um, you know, and we feel this pressure to constantly join every sport team and club and parenting group at schools because we want to be present in the schools for our kids. That's, that's super important. And, uh, you know, we, we want to serve and uh, we need to volunteer. That's important to our family. You know, I need to volunteer. But, well, this, this ministry also is low on people, so I need to volunteer there. But we also have errands to run and, and things to do and, and groceries to pick up. But then our kids forgot something. You know how that goes. We need to go pick that up. And, and then, well, this opportunity looks awesome. And so we don't want to miss this opportunity. And, and we have all this stuff that ends up taking up our time and filling our time. And, and there's just a lot to do in the day. And then we have some of the bigger things, right? Some of those things that we know we need to do, uh, but don't always have time for. It's important to prioritize and, and know the responsibilities we have at work. We need to prioritize and realize we have to perform for our boss and there's deadlines to meet and quotas to fill and, and we have responsibilities and priorities to our family and to our spouse and we, we want to invest there. We don't want to be absent there. That, that stuff's important and so we do that. And, and we know we need to invest into our marriage. We know that's important, but it begins to suffer. And we know we need to prioritize relationship with God, but Jesus, I'm kind of tired today. 
And, and so our intimacy suffers. And we add and add into our schedule, and it begins to pile up, and it seems like it's spilling over, and we don't know how we can fit it all in. God, how can I fit in everything I need to do? There's so much stuff. How am I going to fit in all this stuff? I don't know how to do it. And so, God, I'm sorry, but I can't spend time with you today. I'm just, I'm way too exhausted from life. I'll spend time with you tomorrow. You know, I, I promise, honey, I'll read to the kids tomorrow night, just tonight. I need, I need to be by myself. Work was exhausting. I'll read to them tomorrow. Honey, let's, can we move our date night to tomorrow if the, if the sitter can do it? If not, we always got next week. But tonight, I just, I need to stay home and chill and vent. I've had a long day. I'll do it tomorrow. I promise next month I'll join a life group. Next year I'll start serving. But right now there's way too much going on in my life. And, and we don't know how to fit it all in. And so we wonder why we have anxiety and stress. And you wonder why you don't have peace and you don't have joy in your life. It's because our lives are out of balance. But what would happen if we made some tweaks? What would happen if we put the big rocks in first? Right? What, what would happen if we took care of those big things, those things that we knew were top priority? You know, what if the first person that we spoke to in the morning was Jesus? We said, God, you first. God, I, I have a really, really stinking busy day ahead of me, but I need you to guide and direct it. You first. God, I don't want to take in the words of other people. I don't want to take in gossip. I need to take in your word. I don't need to be checking email right now. I don't need to be scrolling on Instagram. Fantasy football can wait. You first. You see, I'm going to serve. My family will serve. One of our highlights this year was as a family, we went with Crossroads Church over to Hickory Elementary School, and we served together as a family. And Paxton was pulling up weeds in the courtyard right next to his daddy. And Brindley was with her mommy in the hallways hanging up posters, and we served together as a family. As a family, we will prioritize life group because we know we need community in our lives, people that are like-minded that will bring us life and point us to Jesus. We need those relationships, and our kids need those relationships. And, you know, I may be a pastor, but it doesn't matter who signs my check. You best believe that my family will be in church. And, and we read the Bible and pray as a family every single day. You see, those things are top priority. They're not just things that we fit in. They, they go in first. They go in first. And so when we find out that we have other important things going on, that it, it, it's kind of like a puzzle. We have these other important things, but they kind of fill in. Like a puzzle, they just kind of fill in around the cracks. And it, and it all seems... To work out and, and we discover that holy cow we we actually have a little bit more joy in our lives we're actually not as stressed as we used to be we're not as frustrated as we used to be we have a little bit more peace we have a little bit more joy and, and, and it's all seeming to fit how is this how is this happening how does it all seem to fit because here's the thing I'm not waiting for tomorrow to put Jesus first I'm not waiting for tomorrow to put my family first. In Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Meaning that if we put God first, all the other stuff will be taken care of. Another way to put it, if you give God your best, he will take care of the rest. If you give God your best, he will take care of the rest. 
And so I want to share real quickly, I'm going to whiz through several warning signs for you to look for in your own life that your life might be out of balance. So you can go ahead and jot these down if you're taking notes. I'm going to kind of go through them quick. But you can look at your own life and, and look for these warning signs. And they're signs that your life might be out of balance. And the first one is this. Do you have inconsistent emotions? Do you feel like you're acting and reacting in ways that you typically wouldn't? You're on this roller coaster and you have no idea which emotional side of you is going to show up. Your, your life might be out of balance. Do you, are you easily offendable? You feel like, man, everyone's kind of coming at me. And, and why is everyone coming at me? And on Facebook, people are saying these things. Why am I being victimized? Well, maybe they're not. And you're just at this point a little easily offendable because your life's out of balance. Maybe that's what's going on. Do you feel like sin seems more attractive to you than normal? And it's because you're not putting on the armor of God. You're not preparing yourself for battle and the enemy. You're more susceptible to the attacks from the enemy. You've honestly, you've made yourself an easy target. And the next one, you've become less productive. You're busier than ever, but producing less. You know, maybe you, you don't have time to prioritize spending time with Jesus in the word and in prayer. You know, this is a major warning sign that your life's out of balance because, again, this should be top priority. This should go in first. Maybe you feel like you don't hear from God. You're saying, Kyle, how, I don't even know how to hear from God. And I'm not saying he'll speak to you like I'm speaking to you right now, but the Bible says that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And if you feel like you're distant from God, you probably are. And so these are warning signs, things to look for that your life might be out of balance. And that means that you need to put the big rocks first in your life. The third warning sign for us this morning, Paris. Translated means divided. Your kingdom will be divided because your heart was divided. And here's the warning is that our hearts are divided. Our hearts are divided. In Psalm 86, 11, it says, Give me a heart that doesn't want anything more than to worship you. God, I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to have an affair on you, Lord. And that sounds extreme, like, whoa, Kyle. But sometimes that's how we need to hear it. God, I don't want to cheat on you because I say that I'm all yours, but I only acknowledge you once a week. I say I trust you with my life, but I won't trust you with my finances. You know, I, I'll start giving a little bit more once I pay this car off. But right now, I got I to gotta focus on me. And I can't participate in the miracle offering right now because Christmas is around the corner. We're in this series centered around faith. God, I have faith and I believe that you are good. I believe that until the struggle becomes a little bit too real and more than I can handle in my own life. And I hear people say all the time, what does God want from me? What's this bit? Why is he playing this big chess match with my life? What does God want? What's his plan? What's his purpose? This is it. It's not any more complicated than this. God doesn't want anything from you. He just wants a relationship with you. That's it. God, give me a heart that doesn't want anything more than to worship you. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. I don't care if there are a million things fighting for my time and my attention. God, you are top priority. You come first. I had a mentor in my life that displayed this well. And they taught me that there were only two things in life that mattered. Jesus and family. 
And that family consisted of anyone that needed the love of Jesus in their life. And this completely changed how I view ministry and how I live my life. You know, nothing else matters. Loving Jesus boldly and loving people boldly. And I want you to hear her story. Check it out. Losing her to brain cancer. You're the 5%. And I screamed out, not now. We just didn't know where we were going. Didn't know why God was allowing this to happen. Why? Why, God? This will be your last holiday season with your family. In um, August of 2015, I received... The words that nobody wants to hear is, you have cancer. And I was diagnosed in August with endometrial cancer. And I won't forget that the doctors told me that's the best kind of cancer a woman can get because once you have a complete hysterectomy, um, you have 95% chance of that's it. And then I also was told by the nurse before I left the hospital you're the 5%. The hardest thing for me was to go home and tell my five sons. Just eight months later, um, we were told that when they did my scan, that the, the treatment was effective. Five months later, I wasn't feeling good again, and so they did another scan. And that's when we were told, your cancer's back in four different areas. There's nothing we can do for you in your terminal. Little did we know, six days later, my husband would come in the door, hand me a sheet of paper saying, you've been terminated. And I screamed out, not now, not with me having all the medical problems, not with me having to step down from work so I could take care of my health. Not with our mortgage, we're gonna lose our house, we're gonna lose everything. When we were told this was our last holiday, um, Thanksgiving and Christmas was the most special. I just stared at my family as we were together here in the house, and I just looked around at everyone and I thought, thank you God for the time that I'm having. I made it through that holiday season, and we just celebrated another Christmas and Thanksgiving together, and I'm still here. There, there was a time I attended this church, and I came every Sunday, and I played the game. And if someone's playing the game that's listening to this right now, I do church, I'm a good person, I pretend to serve the Lord, but you know you're not. You know deep down you're not living your life to honor God. Make it right before it's too late. Get your life right with the Lord. Get your life right with your family and spend the time with the people who matter most to you. And ch change your priorities. Change your focus. Your job is not what's the most important thing. God has given you a gift. God has blessed you with people in your life. Your friends, you may not have that spouse that you've been dreaming of all your life. You may not have the children that you've been praying for, but God's got something better. And you have to trust in God that he knows the plans for you are for good. And that's a true promise. It is a promise you have to hold on to. 
His plans are for good, and you have to make it right. You have to get right with the Lord, and you have to make amends with your family. Forget about the hurts. Just say you're sorry. I am so blessed with family and friends that I can't be angry with God. I can't be angry with my diagnosis. I cannot be angry with where I am at because I win. I win. If cancer chooses to take me out of this world, that's okay. And if God chooses to heal me, that's okay because either way, I win. I will either be looking at the face of my Lord and Savior and walk in streets of gold and get in that mansion on a hilltop, or I'll be able to stay here with the incredible family God has blessed me with that I'm able to cherish every day more and more knowing my time is limited. And I will cherish that each and every day that I have. And so I win. Uh, for those of you who might not know, that was my mom, and cancer did take her. She passed away three months ago. And I absolutely love that she lived this so well. And even in the last weeks and months of her life, when she couldn't get out of bed, she would play worship music all the time, and the nurses, they would come to our home to take care of her. And on more than one occasion... A nurse would pull me aside in tears and just let me know how much hope that she had given them and how much she inspired them. And we played this video at her funeral, and I love that even after her death, even after her death, she was encouraging people to give their life to Christ. And I had the privilege at her funeral to shake hands with dozens and dozens of teenagers and young adults that my mom impacted, whether it was in the student ministry that she served in or at the schools that she worked at as a secretary. Because my mom invited people into her life. Jesus mattered and people mattered to her. And it didn't matter where you came from. If you came to her, you were her kid. And she took them in and impacted their life. And I love what she said in the video, and I hope you don't miss it. She said, if you've been playing the game, if you've been coming to church but doing your own thing, and you know you're not right with God, today is your day. Don't wait for tomorrow to make that decision. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Somebody say now. Now. Now is your time. Don't wait for tomorrow. Hannah doesn't have any more tomorrows. My mom doesn't have any more tomorrows. Now is your time. Write it down. What do I need to start doing today? What do I need to stop doing today? Because now is your time. Now is your time, Dad, to invest in your kids' lives. Don't wait for them to come to you. Don't wait for them to have an issue before you step in and correct it. Now is your time to point them to Christ. Now is your time, Mom, to take the break you need. Your family will be okay. Don't push that off because you are doing more damage to yourself in the name of helping your family. Now is your time. Now is your time to give your life to Christ. Don't wait any longer. 
Because you are not guaranteed tomorrow. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. Now is your time to get baptized. Now is your time to get baptized. You're saying, well, Kyle, I missed it. I thought about it. The baptisms this morning, they encouraged me, but now I got to wait till maybe February or March. I missed it this year. I was thinking about it. I know I got to tell people that I'm serious about this, but I missed it. Now is your time. Look, Pastor Craig's going to get back in the tank. We have t-shirts backstage. We have trash bags for you to put on your car seats. No excuses. Now is your time. In first services, we had four people come back during the altar call to get baptized. Four people said, I'm not going to wait, and I don't care. If someone doesn't go before me, I'll do it. I'm not putting this off any longer. Now is your time. The worship band is going to lead us into a song. And I love the lyrics. It states, look, I feel surrounded. There's so much stuff fighting for my time. There's so much I'm pouring in and it's filling my time. And I feel so suffocated and surrounded by what's going on. I don't know what to do. But look, in the midst of all of that, we're reminded that even though we feel surrounded by so much stuff, God still surrounds us. Jesus still surrounds us in the midst of that. It's a shift in priorities. Do you see that you're surrounded by Jesus or do you see that you're surrounded by stuff? Now is your time. Do not wait for tomorrow. God, open my eyes and realize that my days are numbered and help me to spend them as I should. So if everyone could stand up, I'm going to pray right now in this moment. And how you respond is up to you, but make the most of it, I urge you. If you know you aren't living right, make the most of your time here this morning. These doors are going to be unlocked and they're open for you to get baptized. Come to the altar, come to the front. Prayer partners, if you could come forward at this time. We have people here that will pray for you. Spend time in worship this morning. Go get baptized if you feel led to do so. Prayer partners, you can come forward. I'm going to pray and I want you to respond. This is you. This is between you and Jesus. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Don't wait for your kids to do it. Don't wait for your spouse to do it. Don't wait for someone else to get in the tank. Now is your time. Jesus, thank you for this message this morning. And I pray, God, that we would resonate with this, Jesus, that we wouldn't wait any longer, that we wouldn't push it off to tomorrow, that we wouldn't wait for next week, that we wouldn't wait for next month. Jesus, we need you in our lives. And I pray, God, that we would take that step this morning. Lord, now is the time to give our lives back to you. Jesus, I give my life to you today for the first time. I'm not waiting any longer. I need a relationship with you this morning. Jesus, come into my life and take over. God, I want a heart that wants nothing more than to worship you. Jesus, now is our time. We give it to you, God. We give it to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Now is your time. Come forward and pray. Come forward and worship. Come, t- come forward and get baptized. Again, four people in first service said, I'm not waiting anymore.